This episode of That High School Life is brought to you by Obsessed with ABGs, a podcast by Rain and Kimberly, your hosts who take you through what it means to be surrounded by ABGs. If you know, you know, but if you don't know, find out how an obsession with ABGs can contribute to your personal and professional growth in surprising ways. Listen to Obsessed with ABGs wherever you download your podcasts. When I graduated from university, I was ready to jump into a career in marketing. I secured an awesome internship in communications and public relations, and I later moved on to secure positions at two other organizations and had the chance to work on in-house as well as on the agency side. Six years in, that came to a grinding halt when I hit the brakes on my career in marketing and started training to become a teacher. I'm joined today for a conversation between myself, Reyna, and Kimberly, two friends and classmates from university. Full disclosure, one of them is my roommate, who also happens to be my wife. In today's episode, we're looking at the things that made us pivot into different careers, words of discouragement that kept us going, and missed opportunities that, in retrospect, became the best decisions. If you're someone who's contemplating a career switch into the world of education, or someone who's after something different from what they're doing now, today's episode is for you. Welcome to That High School Life, the career guidance episode. Hi, my name is Kimberly Hackiman. In my previous life, I was in marketing, just like Joe, in various markets until I decided that was not for me. And now I'm a senior podcast producer. And one of the podcasts that I am one of the producers on is called Obsessed with ABGs. And I'm a co-host with our lovely friend, Raina, over here. And what we talk about is aspirations, boardrooms, and goals. And that is what ABG stands for. And if you believe it means something else, hit us <laughs> up not. on what, the- What could that possibly mean? <laughs> <laughs> if you believe it to, to mean something else, we would love to hear that feedback over at Obsessed with ABGs. Hi, I'm Raina Shikura. I am Joe's roommate slash wife. <laughs> um, so we're recording this actually in the same house, believe it or not. Um, in my previous career, I was a program manager and a student advisor at the University of Toronto for over 10 years. And now um, that uh, Joe and I are living in Germany, I have become a career coach and a life coach at an MBA school and also um, running a life coaching business on the side. And um, on top of, I guess, that side is where Kimberly and I run our podcast called Obsessed with ABGs. And like Kim said, uh, it could stand for something else for some people, but really it stands for aspirations, boardrooms, and goals. Thank you both for joining me for this episode. This is the, the second episode of season three. The show is now in its third season. I'm blown away. For those of you that are still listening, thanks for listening um, and being here on this adventure from a very awkward first episode in season one to, I guess, a still awkward, but not as awkward episode in season three. All three of us, we're professionals that have jumped into other positions after leaving university, which I think is pretty cool. But I'm always curious, and I ask this for every second career teacher that I meet, what made you pivot? I've always been in the same industry, which is specifically higher education, as in universities. And for over 10 years, when I was at the University of Toronto, I had a lot of different kinds of roles. I started out as a communications coordinator for a faculty. And um, the reason I got into that was because I majored in communications, which is where, also where I met Joe and Kim. 
uh, we were all studying communications and media together. And so I did communications and PR and magazine article writing and things like that. And a lot of social media for my first job at U of T. Then in that job, I realized that my most favorite part of it was working with students. So then I eventually um, moved into different roles where I got to work directly with students. And I even did a master's in education specifically on um, students, higher education students. And so within that career, then I realized my most important and um, passionate aspect of it was talking to students and giving them advice and, and things like that. And so in my very last year at the university, I realized that I wanted to become a career coach. Luckily, I was able to make that dream come true right when we moved to Germany. And after a year of working in this, I've now also set up my own life coaching business. And so to bottom line this, in every job that I've had, I've also had a realization within that where I was like, okay, what is it that I truly enjoy? And then I took that piece and ran with it. And then the next job came and I thought about it again. And I kind of grasped at that, you know, one element that I loved and then ran with that piece. So it's almost been like, like a funnel, you know, where mm -hmm. I started out in a much bigger capacity or career, I guess. And then I funneled it down to what I really, really, truly like. So that's kind of how I was able to think about the pivoting process. And if I really had to think about a moment where I wanted to pivot was when I was sitting down with one of my executive MBA students on a bus um, when we were on a trip in India and he was telling me about his life and what he wanted to do with his MBA and all of these things. And I realized, wow, it's not the booking of the buses and the you know, nitty gritty details of the job that I love doing. It's really the talking to people piece and hearing them out. I would say that was that kind of like moment where I had this epiphany. I wish I had something as profound as that to say. Kim, what about you? <laughs> Wait, now you have to you have to finish that. What was it? Did you have a profound moment? No, I didn't. So before switching into teaching, I was working at a luxury automotive company in public relations. And one day I realized, you know what? As much as I like doing this and as much as I enjoy the job, I enjoy my colleagues, this isn't for me. Because I was volunteering at a community center at the time teaching computers to um, to seniors. And one of the seniors I was teaching, she was a professor at OISE, the Ontario Institute for Studies and Education. And she did teacher training. And she just turned to me and said, you know what? You're pretty good at this. You should think about doing it more. Well, so I actually didn't know the story. Are you serious? <laughs> How long have we been married? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what kind of roommate are you? <laughs> You're supposed to know I'm my terrible life. terrible one, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, I knew about the community center teaching piece, but definitely not the OISE teacher or the OISE professor part. Huh, I must have glossed over that a while ago. Man, how long oh my have you been married? I just forgot that you told me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot I liked a million other things. It's hard to keep track. No, seriously, when you're you've been married for as long, you're like, it's hard to keep track of every single detail. Um, that's so funny, though, that a volunteer moment, like that one person in this thing that you did to serve the community was like your uh, epiphany to pivot. I did not have that, which is so fascinating. Like yours seems so altruistic. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a pretty good guy. Um, but <laughs> what's, uh, what was yours, Kim? Oh, I had, a, and we shared this on the podcast too, um, our podcast. It was a distinct moment where I was mm -hmm. literally at my desk making a poster for an event that it was someone celebrating their third birthday. And we had to do 
uh, they asked me to make a Thomas the Tank Engine poster, <laughs> and I just lost it. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not. Why? Why am I looking at Thomas the Tank pictures on my computer? <laughs> this is not what I went to school for. Oh my god. So yeah, I was in marketing right after, like, right straight out of the gate for after graduation. Mm-hmm. I worked in uh, business to business, selling like our company sold like print finishing stuff, and then. I was like, okay, I kind of want to do my own thing. I had gotten like did some side hustles here and there. And I had opened my own, I guess, on my own marketing Mm -hmm. consultation. And then one of my clients was in hospitality and I was working for them as one of their marketing experts. And then they decided, why don't you come on full time? And I was like, sure. I at that time, I didn't have any benefits. I was like planning, you know, a wedding. So it was a great opportunity. I did not intend to be there for as long as I, I was. I was there for about four years. And then the Thomas the Tank Engine moment <laughs> happened. And I'm like, whoa, this is four years too long. And so I was like, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm going back to school and studying radio broadcasting. <laughs> and that was it. Thomas the Tank Engine was what did it. To this day, I still can't. When I see his face, I just want He choo-chooed. <laughs> he like chugged along. <laughs> I was on the track of the opposite direction. Was it any particular Thomas the Tank Engine design? Or was it just like his face in general? It was his face. But, like It was like, uh, think of his face looking right at you in the middle of like a poster. I don't think I've ever wanted to He's punch He's got a creepy a, face. Yeah, he does. And I don't think I've ever wanted to punch a train an anthropomorphic train so much <laughs> as I have which, when I've seen Thomas the Tank Engine. Because, like, he brings so many kids joy. And, like, to be fair, like, the company itself was fantastic. The people yeah. were great. The event itself was, like, a very, you know, we're celebrating someone's birthday. Like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. It was a fine, it was a fine thing. It was meant to be cute. But it was, like, you know, that tipping point for some people? It's Thomas the Tank like, Engine. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't Thomas the Tank Engine himself. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like any like repressed memories I had as a child over <laughs> the tank engine. It was just that moment of like, you know, it was it was, you know, building. I'm sure everyone's yeah. had that moment where something is yeah. building, it's brimming, you're wanting to get out, you're feeling really restless or uh, anxious. Yeah. And this one moment in your life, doesn't matter how small it is or even how positive it is, you're just like, what am I doing? Yeah. That was it for me. So from there, was your process of leaving immediate or was it you know, the the usual, here's my two weeks notice. No, it was not. It was, you know what? Again, it's going back to the the company I was working for was super supportive. I told them I want to go back to school. How, what can I do to scale back? Because it was mm-hmm. a full-time program, full-time one-year program. Uh, and I had an honest conversation um, with my manager being like, I want to do this program. Here are the hours. I want to make this work. I don't know if I want to leave just yet. Um, so what can we do? And mm-hmm. we had decided I just cut back my hours to like, instead of 40 hours, I went to like 30. Um, right. And then I'd come in on a weekend to do or catch up on any work. And and then the time that I wasn't at work, I was at school. And then and then I was, did that for about a semester until I realized, okay, now I know this is what I want to do. So I was like, all right. When second semester came along, I'm like, I think we're good. I think you guys deserve to find someone who could be here full time. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. I will stay on until you find a new person. 
There's something to be said for an employer who, you know, supports your aspirations like that. Oh, yeah. And I think it's good for employers to do that because you don't want someone who hates their job. You don't want to employ that because then the work suffers, your team suffers. Um, And I think we just had an honest conversation. It's like, you guys deserve someone who wants to be here. So and I think we both gave it a shot to make it work. And we both realized it wasn't going to. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think it was a positive environment. And I also recognize that that's not something everyone has. Or for sure, yeah. Can ask for. So I was very privileged and acknowledge that. I'm very thankful for my manager for for doing for being so supportive. Honestly, I'm glad that my whole thing of not having an epiphany isn't unique. Uh, because sometimes I, I I do ask myself like was 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 somebody say I'm good at teaching enough to go into teaching? But I think that's also like I don't know part of working and part of doing what you really love because. When you love something, there's also so much fear because you don't want to fail at something that you love. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think now that we're all of us are in careers that we really wanted to be in and careers that we love, I think the stakes are a little bit higher. For sure. I mean, personally, yeah, I do feel that like the stakes for me are higher. I feel them all the time. But I, I honestly do think that's largely the stakes that I set for myself. Can I just say, I do think, and maybe you'll get to that, I do think it's a fear of at least... For myself, coming from like really strict Asian parents, it's like if you try something, you have to be great at it, right? After yeah. that, or else they're like, "Why did you come home with this?" You know, thanks for participating. Yeah, like that's not good enough. I can't come home with that. So like, there's this fear of like I have to be good at it, at it, or else my parents will not approve. Yeah. What do you mean you came home with ninety nine percent? You're one percent away from perfect. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> Um, Okay, having said that, this is a good segue into the next question, which is about encouragement. So (laughs) we talk about encouragement all the time. In education, for me, like, uh, encouragement is a very big part of teaching. I would argue it's a great part of it. And the reason is because the students who don't feel like they can succeed end up succeeding with the right kind of encouragement um, Mm. and when they receive enough of it. But for me personally, I often feel that the flip side of that, it goes ignored. Um, And what I'm talking about is negative things that people say. Because for me, that's often been a driving force, mostly because I just want to prove somebody wrong. Even if it's years in the making, I will slave away to prove somebody wrong. That's my fuel. Okay, this part about you, I know. I will go out of my way to make sure that I can prove somebody wrong when they say I can't do something. But okay, having said that, though, like, what's the most discouraging thing that you've you've heard that, you know, has, has driven you forward, that has, like, given you the... The determination to be like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to be super successful because I'm going to teach you a lesson. I kind of, um, this reminds me of Marie Forleo. Um, She has a book called Everything is Figure Outable. But what she names what you just described, Joe, she calls it the FU fuel. So (laughs) it's like that negativity or someone saying um, something bad and then you responding to it but using that as fuel to move forward and achieve great things. Um, so I've really loved that term ever since I've read about it. And so for me, um, Kim and I've talked about this on our Obsessed with ABGs podcast, but in my fourth year of university, when I got my career um, right before graduation, I had told you know a lot of my friends and one of those people was this guy and he was a white guy. And I told him that I got this offer and I'm really excited. And what he said to me was, yeah, but you only got that because you're an Asian woman. And I can't say for a fact that that turned into fuel, but 
Yeah. It definitely affected me because that made me doubt a little bit about why I got the job. I was like, oh, maybe I didn't get it because I'm qualified. Maybe I got it because I'm a diversity hire for being, you know, being a woman and mm-hmm. being a minority. But I think it also pushed me forward to prove him wrong. And, you know, I don't know if he ever realized later on, like, oh, I was wrong. I don't really need that satisfaction. But no. I think that's always sort of been in the back of my mind that I wanted to like, yeah, prove him wrong or prove society wrong. And mm-hmm. knowing that I made it because I'm me, not because I'm Asian, not because I'm a woman, but because I'm me and they hired me for me. The most highly skilled candidate. Yeah, exactly. But it would also be nice to hear him say I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, that's true for me too. I, I don't need to hear... I don't need to hear somebody come up to me and apologize and say I was wrong. I do, however, enjoy making direct eye contact with them after and being like, huh? Uh-huh? <laughs> yeah, you see this? Like the idea of going to like a high school reunion and just <laughs> kind of like flaunting how great your life is. Yeah. Level. I don't know. For me, it's phrases that stick with me. So just uh, coming back to those phrases and being like, looks like you said the wrong thing. And... Yeah, so uh, my my story for that is uh, when I was leaving my last career, there was one individual who, when I mentioned that I was leaving the field, said to me, well, I don't see how you'll ever get a job in education. Good luck. No. Yeah. And there there have been times where for every job that I've had, so I've, I've been working in education now. It's coming up to six years. Congratulations. Um, thanks. And, you know, I'm I'm... I'm fortunate and I'm lucky enough to say I've never been without a a, a job. Even before I graduated, I'd secured employment already inside a public school board and then went on to teach in international schools. But with every successive role that I've picked up, I've wanted to send an email saying, thank you for your encouragement. You know, you you wishing me good luck (laughs) was the thing that propelled me forward. Oh my Uh. gosh. It's like when you watch those really trashy daytime talk shows like Maury or Montel and the person brings back yeah Jenny Jones where they bring back that person who tormented them in the past and just be like thank you for making me who I am today yeah I mean that that's a bit over the top I don't think I'd want to take them onto (laughs) national daytime tv and say look what I did you missed out on all this obviously just a podcast yeah just just a (laughs) podcast to say you know what I, no, really, I, d- I did it. We're all the positivity, you guys, right? Right? Yeah, yeah I'm positive. Good reminder, Kim. Uh, yeah. Has this happened to you in, in your field? I had a hard time finding, I guess it's a good thing. Like, I don't have any colleagues or friends or like peers mm-hmm. that were like, good luck. You're good. You're not going to amount to anything. It was quite <laughs> the opposite. Everyone's like, yeah, you should do it. You should quit. Your job. Actually, it was quite the opposite. I'm like, guys, I'm not ready. You're like, you should quit right now. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> I was like, guys, may- maybe take hold hold the phone here. Well, here, but I'll I, do it I, for you. I don't think you'll ever succeed, Kim. Good luck. I, I know, and it's funny when someone did say that to me. I knew it was actually because I would respond to it in a different way. Yeah. So I was like acknowledging their reverse psychology. <laughs> you know, I was like, guys, I know you don't mean it. <laughs> Yeah, but, we don't. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> you'll be yeah. So in that sense, I have always had like encouraging like even like the manager I had as an example was like, What can we do to get you to your next career? But I will say societal pressure being like for example, being a female minority already is like I like have to make it. For example, it's the same idea when I'm driving. I cannot mess up a parallel park. I cannot 
I cannot. If someone sees me messing up doing yeah. a U-turn, I am extra cautious because I'm a female Asian driver. That's how I feel about my career pivots. It's like I have to be exceptional at it. I have to be good at it yeah. or else I feel like I'm letting my family, my, I guess, like other peers in the space down, mm-hmm. um, other women, women of color in especially media. But I would say also at the time, I was planning a wedding. I was getting married. We had just bought a home. And Mm -hmm. this pressure of like, well, how come you guys don't have children? Why are you pivoting your career when you now have a mortgage? All those pressures was really hard. And it was that, no, I'm going to do well. I'm going to do it now. And I'm going to prove you wrong. (laughs) Do you you have a like a bumper sticker on your car that says, how's my driving dial? (laughs) I wish I had one. No, I actually I actually hope. Because I share a car with my husband, who is a white male, and so I hope that when he messes up, I yeah. want everyone, <laughs> I want, I want everyone to stop and look like he's the one that dr- drove over the curb, not me. Oh yeah, oh, and me rolling down my window. I'm like, look at this, look at this bad example of a driver. It's not just Asian women. <laughs> white men can also be bad drivers. And you both broke stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's my fuel, actually, now that you mention it. And being all serious, it's breaking stereotypes. I mean, yeah, and like that type of fuel really comes in multiple domains, right? So for me, it's like a personal thing. I, I would like to show to the person who told me that I would never make it, that I have made it. For you, it's showing people that, hey, this stereotype is not true. This dude messed up driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and also, you know, back to stereotypes, too. It's also like I want to prove to my parents mm. that. Me going into communications, loving to, I had, as a kid, I had a little tape recorder and I'd mm. pretend I had my own radio show. Um, <gasps> Did you really? That's so cute. Yeah. It's really, it's really funny now that I look back because I really wish I could have that tape. But I always thought I'd like, I'd pretend I had my own, like, Kiss 92 FM. I'm Kimberly Hackman. Oh Thanks. So, top six at six. And I would like <laughs> oh mimic what the radio host would be saying. Yeah. And my parents thought that was cute. Oh, that's a joke. Ha 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 ha. But in the back of my mind, I always knew they thought that was hilarious, but never took me seriously. So I think that was also fuel to be like, no, I'm going to pursue this. Not necessarily radio, but I'm going to pursue yeah. this, uh, make a career of it and prove you wrong that this wasn't some silly joke. You should get them to do a call in one day and then just interrogate them while they're live. Why didn't you believe in me? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're wrong. I- I actually did. And so this would be a special episode on Obsessed with ABGs, but we want to do something with our moms. Oh uh, and a special episode with our exactly. mom. And I did, yeah, we did. I did a little bit of a recording with my mom, and it was so funny being like, "Look what you did as a at my youth. You made fun of me." My mom's like, "Well, look at you now. You're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> she so just, she knew she knew she knew she's yeah. I was just like, "God damn!" Like you're right. Like in some weird twisted way. <laughs> Yeah, you you propelled me forward. I think that also reminds me, um, in one of my jobs, I was working with a colleague who I really didn't enjoy working with, and I really didn't have that much respect for her. And um, she one time said, you need to be better at sucking up to senior management um, and care more about your growth going up rather than the people that we're servicing, i.e. our students. And I like wholeheartedly disagree with that. Absolutely. You know, we're, right. We're working in education where student success is our number one priority. Yeah. And 
yeah, of course, you have to care about your career too, but not at the expense of your student's success. No, if anything, your career and, grows because of your students. Yeah, exactly. And so that was, and she said it herself too. She was like, maybe this is unsolicited advice. And I was thinking like, definitely it is. But, you know, all the other comments that she said to me around that time, like really affected me. But then I also read somewhere to not take advice from people who you wouldn't go to advice for in the first place, especially if you don't respect them. Because like, I was like, you're so wrong, but I don't even want to give you like the time and like the effort for me to tell you that it's wrong. Like, if you really don't get it, like, then, you know, goodbye. You know what? I know this is, again, going back to if there's high school kids listening to this, right? That's something I, I struggled with as a teenager. You would get advice from people who you think know more than you or might might be in a space they're more senior than you yeah. or you know teachers that might give you advice or peers that will give you advice other teenagers or maybe older students might give you advice and then you really have to like as a teenager that's really hard i will say it is still hard as an adult that is something that you'll always you know have to grapple with it doesn't necessarily get easier as you get older but how you navigate it could be a little you could change it to a positive or you could make it work in your benefit you definitely have to like sift as you get older. You have to sift a lot more because people start sounding a little more wiser. But then, yeah, you kind of have to pause and say, wait a second, that uh, that sounded profound, but it was actually profoundly wrong. Uh, I'll, let's table that for now because I don't think it's for me. Wise words. It's almost like your teacher. <laughs> yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> the other aspect that I wanted to focus on for this interview or this this conversation, there's that 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 saying it's kind of cliche now but it's true um hindsight is 2020 and when i was writing this i was reflecting and there have been times where i've looked back and said i'm i'm really glad i dodged that bullet right and in this case the bullet could have been a relationship that needed to end a job interview gone like horribly horribly wrong or something as small as like a missed train and i think we're going full butterfly effect here which is a great movie by ashton kutcher by the way but do, do either of you have those butterfly effect moments where like, you know, something small um, was a really big factor in getting you to like your, your pivoted career? I think I'd be dating myself, but this is like um, Gwyneth Paltrow's Sliding Doors movie. Did you guys see that? No. Remember that? I love that movie. <laughs> I yeah. Love that movie. It's, it starts off as Gwyneth Paltrow like getting on the train. And then there's also the other half of the movie is Gwyneth Paltrow not getting on that train, like missing that train. So it's like a parallel universe of the Gwyneth that got on the train and didn't get on the train and what happens in both lives. One goes brunette. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the That's my one called, takeaway. <laughs> I think the movie was called Gwyneth Paltrow gets on a train. <laughs> With her or product. does she? Or does she? Yeah, or, or does yeah. she? So um, we're, we're trying to decipher our got on the train or didn't get on the train yes, moment. Yes, exactly. Is, is there a time where not getting on the train or getting onto the train has served you well in the long run? Why is this Thomas the Tank Engine thing still? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like, I, there's your, there's my answer. Back to the train. <laughs> uh, for me, it was definitely, there's two things. I thought about this question quite a bit. Uh, one was uh, a relation, a young relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe teenagers could relate to this. You know, when you were dating at 16, 17, 18, you feel like that person's your whole world. Mm-hmm. And then you get into, you get a little bit older and you realize, hold on. There is a bigger world outside of this insular relationship I had at this age of 16. Mm. So, I had my like my first love in high school and then when I went to my first year of university, that's where I really met like 
people from around the world. It was, you know, interesting people who are studying the same things as me, people with different viewpoints. Um, and it just made me realize, it was like, this was a very young love. This is not a love that's going to, I guess, this is not a future. This is not something I'm, I'm going to want down the sh- downstream. And, and it was hard to leave that relationship because one, yeah, that person I thought, yeah, at 18, it was going to be the rest of my life. This is the person that, you know, I, I love so much and we're going to make it despite university. And after my first semester at uh, U of T, I realized maybe not. maybe not uh so yeah i ended that relationship and i always wonder like had i'd stayed had my life Mm -hmm. been different probably it's funny that i didn't expect someone else to bring up relationships because my not get on the train moment or i don't know do you want to keep using the bullet uh the bullet metaphor or the the train metaphor you're the host you tell us okay well to to avoid the whole thomas the tank thing um let's let's use bullets so my dodge the bullet or my bullet dodging uh, consisted of me getting out of a relationship where things were almost very prescribed. But at the back of my head, I was all saying, but that's not what I want to do. And then relationship ended. And then here we are, you know, um, having moved two continents and taught in different schools to some really, really great students. But with I just, an amazing basically wife. you're saying <laughs> with an amazing, with an amazing wife, wife. Oh, with a great Slash roommate. roommate. <laughs> <laughs> But wait, there's there's still more to that story. I just realized it now that like I didn't actually tell you like what the mo- the inadvertent bullet dodging moment was. Oh my god, this is getting juicy, um, guys. The the bullet dodge was um and I was distraught at the time. I missed an exam because I had to work a shift. I remember at Canada's Wonderland. And which is an amusement park for those Which who don't is know. an amusement park in in uh the big old city of King City, uh, Ontario. At the time, I was like, oh my god, I missed an exam. I'm going to have to like um, petition to rewrite it. And all of this happened because I didn't make use of my schedule at the time. You know, I'm 22 years old or 21 years old. I didn't write it down and say, you have an exam at this time. I kind of just took my work <laughs> schedule and was like, oh, I'm going to go to work. So then I went to work. But yeah, I mean, the the end result was that led to just a whole chain of events that made me that resulted in that relationship dissolving and being over. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm wait. sorry. What? <laughs> over. You're... <laughs> sorry. One, you didn't write down on your calendar you had an exam. No. And then you glossed over an entire breakup. <laughs> yeah. How did this missing an exam lead to a breakup? But uh, like I just said, it, it cascaded, right? It it led to... <laughs> Like a domino effect. Yes, it was It was the smallest thing. Had I taken 30 seconds, or not even 30 seconds, like five seconds to write this down in my like planner, none of this would have happened. But instead, I didn't do that. And this domino effect ended a relationship, which honestly, like I, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get over this. But I did. And <laughs> the end result is, you know, here we are. Are you telling your students to not write down their exams so then they'll eventually lead to the, like, the love of their life? What? No, that's ridiculous. Write down your exams. <laughs> <laughs> Be diligent. Write things down, guys. Because <laughs> who knows? I might miss an exam and then like this domino effect uh, might happen. And I, too, will become a great teacher and find a great wife. Yeah. Miss your exam and then you'll meet someone like Reina who will change your life for the better. I don't think it works that way. 
Uh, I think it's backfired than you. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's it's it definitely doesn't work that way. Kids, be diligent, write things down, be on time, pass your exams. And, you know, this is now the girl, Mr. Joe on his yeah. like, past episode. No, but really, I, I think the only reason I, I like I was able to dodge that bullet was by the graces of the University of Toronto, who allow for one missed exam. See, I didn't know that. I found that out. Like, I hmm. basically I, I drove as fast as I could to get to, to school. And then I went to the to the registrar's office and, and like I'm still wearing my Canada's Wonderland like um, games manager uniform. It says, hi, my name is Joe on a name tag. And I'm like, <gasps> I missed an exam. <laughs> <laughs> Were you allowed to rewrite it? Yeah, they said uh, we allow for one rewrite um, because we do realize that these things happen. Um, I don't know if that policy still stands, but it definitely saved me. It's so much better that you went into that office hyperventilating in your work uniform. Like, had you walked in in, like, regular clothes and, like, a Tim Hortons coffee in your hand, they would have maybe been like, mm, really? Did you really miss it? Like, accidentally? Or was it on purpose? So. Yeah, no, the, the registrar lady looked at my name tag and she said, hello, Joseph. How can I help you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't miss that job. But uh, sorry, getting getting back to the point. The point is, everything has to work in order for those moments to be bullet dodging moments, right? Had they just said you have to redo the entire course, I, this this definitely wouldn't have been a bullet dodging moment. But them saying, "Don't worry, you can rewrite it at a later time," it allowed for the timing of everything else that followed uh, to work properly. There's going to be a struggle in everyone's life, right? No matter how big or small, there's always a point where we're all going to feel like we've lost something or something traumatic has happened. Yep. And like, there's a, it's a great silver lining that like, it will work out. It will. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I know it's, yeah, that's like a very privileged thing to say, but it's nice to know, like, in some capacity, if you can work through it somehow, or if you can at least mm -hmm. try to navigate it and not wallow... It yeah. will, time will pass, time will, and it will get better. Yeah. Not to sound like a PSA, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, how do I turn it, this off? <laughs> but it's nice to know that, you know, everyone, even a teacher's life, including, can go through ups and downs and like mm -hmm. things will work out. For sure. And like, if they don't work out in your early 20s, it's your early 20s and it's still figure outable. Completely. Reina, on to you. What's your bullet dodging moment? Um, can when I you ended up with me, metaphor? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you hesitated a little bit there. Tell me Ooh, more. Are we gonna go there? <laughs> <laughs> and this is how we ended up divorced. <laughs> <laughs> no, divorce is expensive. We're not dodge, doing that. Dodge that bullet. The metaphor that I want to use is getting on a plane or not. Um, still sticking to the transportation metaphor. Mm -hmm. Thomas the Tank when Plane. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Plane. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a story of when I didn't get on Thomas the Tank Plane. When we were in university in fourth year, during spring break, a bunch of our friends were going to Cuba, including myself. I was, you know, we had talked about going on this trip, like a graduation trip, but sort of right before like a week before we had to book and pay for things i decided to back out because i didn't have a lot of money i didn't want to ask my parents for money 
And I just felt a little weird going on a trip when I didn't have like a job secured for after graduation. You know, as an international student, my parents had said to me, you know, either get a job in the first year or come back because, you know, we're not going to keep paying for you to live somewhere else and just work in American Eagle at square one, which um, is a shopping mall Great jeans, in the city the where we went to school. <laughs> 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 and so I told my friends, I'm sorry, I can't go to Cuba with you guys. And they were really upset with me because, you know, I had gone back, gotten gone back on my word. And, um, you know, we were supposed to have a really good trip together. So then they were all upset with me, but they went on the trip and I was kind of feeling sad for myself still in Toronto um, and applying for jobs. But in that week of them being in Cuba was where I had found a job posting for the University of Toronto as a communications coordinator. And I applied and I got a response within two or three days, had an interview the day after And by the time they came back, or maybe it was a little bit after they came back, I had secured a job offer. And so that was just because I didn't get on this plane, because I didn't go (laughs) on this trip with my friends and I sacrificed that part of my friendship, I was able to secure something that I really love. I don't know if I could have, I could have done that. And that's amazing that you had the like, no, I, you know, it's best that I not go. You know, you didn't succumb to like peer pressure. Maybe had I had more money I would have but it was also like you know not wanting to ask my parents for money on for something that I would go and do with my friends it wasn't anything that had to do with my career Mm -hmm. and so yeah in hindsight I'm I was so glad that I had made that decision to sacrifice that piece of fun and friendship and stayed back and apply for jobs in my bedroom and also I feel like real friends would understand like I, I think in the end, they did understand. Yeah, but yeah, in the beginning, yeah. they were like, you always do this. Like, you're so flaky. And yeah, I think at that moment, it was really hard to hear those words. But in hindsight, I'm glad that I made that sacrifice. Have you been to Cuba yet, by the way? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I haven't been to Cuba. <laughs> it's been 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish but, I had gone. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's you're, all good. You're right. It, um, I, I do remember that. Because we just started living together at that time. I remember we moved in that week that you said, I'm not going. And I remember the cost of that trip was $600, which was and still is uh, for me. Anyway, that's a lot of money. I remember thinking to myself, if she goes, how are we going to make rent? So that, <laughs> <laughs> that that was my biggest concern at the time. How are we going to make rent? Um, but you didn't go and we made rent. And, you know, for me, that was, that's it. Bullet dodged. That was the one bullet that I was concerned with. But um, yeah, long term. Well, and not just that, this set up your entire career. Yeah, you yeah. were at U of T for not just like one or two years. For 10, I think. I was there for 11 years and in different jobs all throughout. Mm-hmm. Like that really just jumpstart your whole like career, not just a job. Completely, completely. And I think... For me at that time, it was a job that I really wanted. You know, it wasn't a job that I settled for. It really was like the title that I wanted was communications coordinator. And, you know, when, that day when I Googled, it literally was like the fourth hit on that page. And I had no intention of working at my you know, school that I went to, but it just happened to be. And then it was like my dream job. So... Yeah, I'm really glad I made that sacrifice in the end. 
and here you are today with the man of your dreams. <laughs> yes, because they were completely had to do with each other. <laughs> Sorry, my Zoom cut off there. What? Wait, are, are you going to prove me wrong now? Is that... Uh... <laughs> Let me show you that you're not the man of my dreams. <laughs> Wait, you, you still haven't said that I'm the man of your dreams yet. Is this... Sorry, sorry. Zoom keeps cutting out. Anyway, husband, we should move on to your next question or next segment of this. <laughs> to be honest, that that's it. Those those three questions were the the ones that really drilled at the heart of what I wanted to talk about today, which was pivoting. Honestly, pivoting is one of the scariest things you can do when you're working as a professional. When you've you've invested so much in university, when you've invested so much in education and training, whatever it is, you've invested time, you've invested money, emotional, emotional investments, you've made those too. So making that pivot can be really hard. And I'm really glad that like, we were able to drill down to three things that I feel were, are really big things that need to be considered. If you're thinking of making a pivot. So what's your motivation? What are people saying that is negative, but you could use to fuel your passion, your desire and your direction? And finally, like that whole reflective piece of looking back and saying, yeah, you know, at the time, these tiny mistakes or these missteps or these things that I didn't do really felt like those really big things that I'll never get over, but you get over them. And in retrospect, they do you good. And those are the big issues that I wanted to talk about when it comes to pivoting. And yeah, reflectiveness is important. And that's why we ended with that last question. Mr. Joe. Thanks. That concludes this lesson for today. (laughs) I have some homework for you, so please make sure that you work on it. But yeah, guys, thank you for for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah, um, thank you. I think it's always nice to have opportunities to reflect on careers because I think that's one topic that so many people can relate to. It's just completely universal, whether you've pivoted or not, you know, everybody at some point or another has a job or a career and it's such a good um, piece of topic that uh, you can all reflect on. So yeah, thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. And uh, before we wrap, tell me about this podcast, Obsessed with ABGs. And for those of you who who are listening to this, um, ABGs, um, according to Google and Urban Dictionary, can mean a whole whack of things. But don't listen to those abbreviations because ABGs in this context is aspirations, boardrooms, and goals. So before we wrap, um, tell me about it. Rainy, you want to go for it? No, you go for it, Kim. Oh, no, you're way more succinct. I'm just going to like prattle on. You're a lot more to the point. You're, you remember, you're an ESFJ. So you are A. So you are more, you're more assertive than turbulent. <laughs> so that brings me to a good point. So those acronyms that Kim just talked about are my 16 personalities slash Myers Briggs um, assessment. Uh, letters, I guess. Um, So this was one of the episodes that Kimberly and I recently put out on our Obsessed with ABGs podcast, where um, every week we talk about different topics that relate to careers, being Asian women, our identities as Asian slash Canadian women. What else do we talk about? Our goals, our boardrooms, not in the classic sense of, you know, let's get on a board of some company, but looking inwards within yourself and asking who are my own allies for myself and for my life, who are in my boardroom and how can we 
um, work towards our aspirations by working with our allies and working on our um, values and saboteurs and basically a lot of coaching themes. But it's just a really fun conversation between me and Kimberly every week where we talk about uh, life and all those things. Well said. So yeah, if, if you're listening to this um, and you enjoy listening to that high school life, or if you don't enjoy listening to that high school life, maybe you'll enjoy Obsessed with ABGs. <laughs> but uh, if you don't enjoy, thank you for making it this far, um, because we've been at it for about, I think, 40 minutes now. But yeah, it, it, whether or not you enjoy that high school life, um, do listen to Obsessed with ABGs. It is a great podcast. Brandon, Kimberly, thank you for taking the time today. And I look forward to doing a follow-up interview again with you both in the future. Thanks. Thanks so much. And just before we wrap, be sure to keep listening at the end of this episode for an intro clip from Obsessed with ABGs, hosted by my two guests, Raina and Kimberly. Don't forget to search on your favorite podcast app for Obsessed with ABGs to hear more. Thanks for listening to another episode of That High School Life. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. To send in your thoughts or for more information, visit the show's website at thathighschool.life. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Joe Takar. Until next time, have a good one. I'm Kimberly. I'm Raina. And we're each other's hype women, and we're obsessed with each other's aspirations, boardrooms, and goals. Join us as we talk about our experiences of Asian identities, careers, and just life in general. We can be your hype women as well. Welcome to Obsessed with ABGs, Aspirations, Boardrooms, and Goals. <laughs>